Smith will keep it. He dies for the end zone. He's got a touchdown. Kansas City in one of the greatest comebacks in Chiefs kingdom history. It's time. Live in the entertainment capital of the world. Car out of the shotgun. Looks left. Throws a lob for Michael Crowtree. Caught it. He caught it. He caught it. The Raiders have the lead. 35-34. It's the T.C. Martin Show. Sweet revenge for Michael Crabtree. It's time to get your daily prescription from the doctor, T.C. Martin. I needed that. Starting to feel like football now. That was a good start. That was a good start. We're going to finish for you, all right? The doctor is now in. And a happy Monday to you, a Monday afternoon quarterback edition of the T.C. Martin Show. Glad to have you with us. What a week of sports. This is one of the greatest week of sports that you can ever imagine. And it's just the timing that you have this year, right now. Every time this year, the first week of October, is dynamite. Because you're smack dab in the middle of the NFL season. Major League Baseball begins the postseason. Playoffs. Now with the do-or-die situation. Fighting for the wild card. You got that going. We got WNBA semifinals. And now the Aces are in a do-or-die situation after losing the last two games. Yes, back from Phoenix after calling that game yesterday afternoon. And uh, we'll be back in Phoenix for Wednesday's game. And the Aces... Now trail that series two games to one to the Phoenix Mercury. And then, this weekend, the fight. You've got Tyson Fury, Deontay Wilder 3, coming up at T-Mobile Arena Saturday night. So what a week for sports, specifically here in Las Vegas. Raiders, Chargers, tonight. <laughs> now, that game at SoFi Stadium in L.A. We'll talk to our good friend Heidi Fang, who is there. Hanging out at SoFi Stadium right now. And so we will uh, talk with her. Jay Schrader, the quarterback, the former quarterback of the Raiders in Washington. Love Jay. Jay is going to join us today as we preview tonight's game. Monday Night Football, the undefeated, the 3-0 and Las Vegas Raiders taking on the L.A. And we still want to call them the San Diego Chargers, which is perfectly fine. It's perfectly fine. Yeah. So a lot of... In- intrigue about that game tonight Uh, this is really a test for the Raiders how good is this team and how good are the Chargers they're two and one but they're coming off of that huge win last week against the Chiefs in Kansas City and then you've got the whole stadium element how many Raider fans are going to be at SoFi Stadium it seats 90,000 what is the, the number of Raider fans that will be in that building, either coming down from Vegas, coming down from Southern California, coming down from Northern California? Obviously, a lot easier to get tickets to that game than getting in, into Allegiant Stadium for some of these fans who do not live in Las Vegas. It would be interesting. And I'm holding out here, too, and I said this last week, that Charger fans are growing. And the reason why is you do have a new stadium, but more importantly, it's because this team is good and this team is beginning to win. And, you know, when they played 
in Carson at the boxing slash tennis venue, Dignity Health Stadium, whatever you want to call it. You know, of course, every visiting team came in there and dominated uh, you know, the, the fan numbers, especially the Raiders of the last two seasons. We get that. But you get a bigger stadium. The Chargers are better now. We'll see what happens. It's going to be pro Raiders tonight. There's no doubt. But I know that some people are calling for 80% of the building is going to be Raider fans. I don't think it's going to be 80%. Is it going to be 50%? Yeah, probably be around 50. But it'll be interesting to see. So there's a lot of different elements that are very intriguing about tonight's Monday Night Football game. Raiders and the Chargers kicking it off at 515. All right? So, yeah, we got uh, Jay Schrader's going to join us, Heidi Fang, talk about the Raiders, and then, of course, talk about last night's game that we saw Sunday Night Football, Bob Sosi, the great play-by-play voice, great friend, coming on the program. He is the voice of the New England Patriots. We are going to get his thoughts not only about the game last night, but Tom Brady leaving, Bill Belichick, the Patriots organization, and uh, always fun talking with Bob. Haven't had him on in a while, so I'm sure everyone will enjoy that. Whether you're a Patriots fan or not, he is a true pro. We're going to play some of his highlights here in just a couple moments. And Chuck Esposito next hour as well, too, previewing Monday Night Football from the sportsbook perspective. So jam-packed show, as always. Great week here in Las Vegas. But let's talk about last night's game with the Patriots hosting the Buccaneers. We knew this game, I knew this game was going to be tight. You know, taking New England plus six and a half, seven points. And we thought this line was inflated. Everyone that we talked to, from our handicappers to all of our best bets people, you know, thinking, hey, that the New England's a live dog here. That Bill Belichick would have something defensively. And he definitely did. And the Bucks come back and win, 19-17. This game did not come down to the quarterbacks. Didn't come down to Tom Brady and... And uh, Mac Jones, it came down to the kickers. That's what it came down to. So we've got highlights to talk about with that. But the Patriots play very, very well. You can even make the argument that they deserve to win this game. But it was a fantastic game in some horrible weather conditions. I got stuck watching this game at the Phoenix airport. Thank goodness for delayed flights. I actually don't like delayed flights, but I was able to watch the entire game at the airport last night. From uh, almost, you know, beginning to end. So, there you go. All right. So, we got some stuff to play for you today. But first of all, let's talk about the game. Okay. Tom Brady, 22 for 43, 269 yards. No touchdowns for Brady last night. None. But on the other side, Mac Jones, you can make the argument maybe he played better than Brady. 31 for 40, 275 yards, had two touchdown passes, one interception, but... The New England Patriots couldn't run the football. They had one rushing yard. It was crazy. It was amazing. All right. So, but obviously, this thing was about two football teams, and that's what Brady and Belichick wanted us to believe. And and that's what I believe, too. But the non-football fan, the casual football fan, wanted to make this be about Brady and Belichick. Okay. So, of course, we'll address that because that was a huge, you know, story and sightline. All right. So... Before the game started, you know, we saw highlights of or video of Brady hugging Robert Kraft in the tunnel. Uh, Bill Belichick and Tom Brady were going to have a moment 
uh, before the game, but Bill Belichick texted Tom Brady and said, "Hey, let, let's meet after the game, away from everybody else, you know, in the uh, the Patriots locker room." And they did, and they had about a twenty minute uh, you know conversation, you know, with that, and that's all good and well. And now, hopefully, everybody can move on from this. But it definitely was a story. So the Patriots did a nice job and put a video tribute together last night regarding Tom Brady. And the fan reaction, a lot of people were anticipating, where are they going to boo him? They're going to applaud him. You know, how is that all going to uh, play out? So uh, here's what the Patriots did before the game last night uh, and, and put a one-minute video tribute together for Tom Brady. And then they also had uh, the fan reaction as well. And there were some boos, but there was predominantly New England fans <clears throat> giving their their salute to Tom Brady. Uh, but then once the game started, this team definitely was rooting for their home team. And you knew that was going to happen. And it's like anytime we see a player come back you know, into a building, whether it's an NBA arena, Major League Baseball field, or a football stadium – you you know that they are going to honor their own. You understand that. So the Patriots did a great job with the video tribute. And um, if you got a chance to see it, uh, very nicely done, you know, by them. But then it was basically, you know, time for the game to get going. All right. So let's give you some game highlights from the game last night with Brady and the Buccaneers going into New England. And um, Mac Jones basically w- uh, said, I'm going to stand up to this challenge. And Matt Jones, Mac Jones actually did it. Perry shifts to the right hip of Jones. He takes a shotgun snap, stands in, looks down the middle, throws it, caught by Henry at the two, yeah. fights away from a tackler, and runs to the end zone and spikes it for a Patriots touchdown. There's your tight end. It's about time. Four games in. What poise by the kid. So, Mac Jones, impressive performance last night. Like we said, Mac Jones, 31 for 40 with two touchdowns uh, in, in one interception. And that was our good friend Bob Sosi, you know, on the call last night. All right. So, Tom Brady did have a moment. He didn't have a touchdown pass, but he looked like vintage Tom Brady. Brady's back in the pocket. Throws a long ball. Lawford Godwin near side. Oh makes gosh. the catch. Dropped in on his fingertips. <laughs> Overs Mills at the Patriot. 37-yard line. Vintage Brady. So Brady's numbers were not great last night. He didn't get in the end zone. Near touchdown pass last night, but didn't get there. Bottom line is, like he said, all he wanted to do was come away with the victory, and he did that. But... Uh, you know, Tom Brady still had some pinpoint passes, still looked very good. And I know that there were some people out there trolling last night on social media saying, oh, Brady's done. He's not getting the job done. Look at this low-scoring game. He can't lead his team into the end zone. That's nonsense. All right? Brady looked like Brady last night. And sure, it was emotional for him. But let's remember, he was playing against a Bill Belichick defense, a defense that knows him and faced him every day in practice. So not surprising that the Patriots played well. And that's why the smart money was on the Patriots last night, you know, getting a touchdown, the overinflated line. So, you know, Brady still had a, had a great game, pinpoint passing, and just like that highlight that we just played there. All right, Richard Sherman. Let's remember this. Richard Sherman you know, is back 
And, you know, he's he joined the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, and he implemented himself in the game last night. Taylor to the right of Jones with his left foot forward. Extends the hands, takes the snap. Four-man rush. There's a screen to the right, caught by Taylor, and he lost the ball. Oh my he God. was upended and lost the ball as he was crashing to the turf. The ball squirts along the far side. Sherman got there for the Bucks. What a play. All right. So this game eventually, like I said, it came down to the kickers last night. And for Patriot fans, they thought, we're going to pull this upset here. But as you know, like we've seen time and time again, and we saw with the Green Bay Packers last year, and we saw in the Super Bowl, do not leave Tom Brady enough time on the clock. And that's exactly what the Patriots did. And how strange does it seem that we're talking Patriots and we're talking about Tom Brady not in the same sentence. We're used For 20-plus years, we're used to saying Brady leading the Patriots, but it's the Patriots against Tom Brady. And that's what happened here, is that the New England Patriots had this game basically in hand, but... Brady led the Tampa Bay Buccaneers down the field, and then they're going to put it on um, on, uh, on 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 Nick, uh, rather uh, Ryan Suckup to Ryan uh, for Ryan Suckup to uh, put this team ahead. But before that, Nick Folk had a chance to put the Patriots on top. Bailey knee down, waits on the snap from Cardona. He has it. Swing of the right leg, kick driven to the uprights. The kick is good, and the Patriots regain the lead. Seventeen sixteen, New England. So at that point in time, you figured, okay, still a lot of time here for Tom Brady, and he led this team down the field, and here it came. It was not going to be a gimme, though. Ryan Suckup from 48 yards in the wind and the rain, basically for the Buccaneers' win? Taker will snap it to Pinion. In the staggered stance, Suckup waits. Looking for his fourth field goal of the night. The snap in place. The swing to the right leg. The kick lifted to the uprights. That kick is good. Tampa Bay has taken the lead in the rain with 157 to go. So now 157 to go, not with Tom Brady quarterback in the New England Patriots, but Mac Jones, the rookie from Alabama quarterback in him. And Mac Jones actually led this team down the field and got him in range. But here's where the problem lies. They got down there to around the 35-yard line, and they had a third and two-and-a-half. Third and two-and-a-half, they decided to call a pass play instead of running the ball. And you're down there in the wind, in the rain. It's not automatic right now when you're looking at a 50-plus-yard field goal for Nick Folk, who is not automatic. He's not Steven Goskowski. They don't have him anymore. Haven't had him for two seasons. So nothing is automatic, and the Patriots went through kicker after kicker last season, if you remember. And they started to do it this season during training camp as well, too. Not sure if Nick Folk was going to be the guy. But they decided to pass the ball instead of run the ball. Incomplete pass on third down, and then it's like, okay, fourth down, what are you going to do? I know they had no success running the football last night, but at least I would have attempted that to try to get a couple yards in this weather. Instead, much to the surprise maybe of a lot of people, Bill Belichick sends out Nick Folk to attempt a 56-yard field goal. The Bucks have two timeouts remaining. Folk paces off his steps. Cardona will snap it back. Bailey turns and receives. Kick is airborne to the uprights. A line drive kick. Fighting off oh, the goal no. post and hit the left upright. It hit the left upright. Tampa Bay still leads by two. And there you go. And they end up uh, holding on and winning 19-17. And Tom Brady gets the victory. With Brady in victory formation to drop to his knee. 
And then the Patriots and Bucks players to exchange handshakes. And for some, embraces. Bill Belichick trots near midfield. The world awaits. Any interaction between the Patriots head coach and the Buccaneers quarterback. Tom Brady. Belichick's looking for him. Now with David Andrews, his former center and fellow captain for the Pats. Josh McDaniels out there and Bill Belichick and Tom Brady hug at the 45-yard line. All right, Bob Sosi, who will join us uh, at the uh, bottom of the hour. We'll talk to Bob, who was on the call. And uh, thank you again to the New England Patriots radio network for that. Great game, exciting game, not a high-scoring game, 19-17, to the final. And like we said, basically, it all came down to the kickers last night. And uh, it, it came down to two. Ryan Suckup and Nick Folk to see uh, who was going to win that game and go on. All right, so... Uh, there you have it. All right, so we got Tom Brady. We got Bill Belichick after the game. Um, you know, Bruce Arians had some thoughts uh, as well, too, on this, uh, on this contest as well. And um, we know that Bruce Arians wasn't really fond of the buildup here. That Bruce Arians, you know, was, was kind of irritated. He was irritated that everything was basically about Brady and Belichick here. And after the game, Bruce Arians decided to let it go. I was very, very frustrated with everybody saying this was a quarterback and a coach. This is a team sport. The Bucks won this game. All right, and we beat the Patriots. All right, we can lose in sight that this is a team game. All right, Everybody wanted to make this all up about Brady and Belichick. I don't think Bill played a snap. All right, He had 22 guys out there playing their ass off, and I knew they would. And we had 22 guys out there playing our asses off. One of them does happen to be named Brady. So good for Bruce Arians. You know, just calling it out like that, saying, you know what? This game is about our football team here. Our football team and the, and the, and the New England Patriots as well, too. So as a head coach, you knew it was going to be a circus going into this. And Arians pretty much was quiet all week long with this. And... It'll be interesting to talk to our good friend T.J. Reeves. and uh, We'll get him on uh, tomorrow to talk about this, who covers the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. And he was there broadcasting on the opposite side. So we've got Bob Sosi today uh, on, on the Patriots side. And then, of course, we've got uh, you know, T.J. Reeves on the Buccaneers side. So it'll be interesting to hear from both parties you know, uh, you know, regarding this. All right, Bill Belichick, his comments uh, in the postgame press conference last night. Look, we went against Tom Brady every day, every day in practice defensively. So it's not like we've never seen Tom Brady before. Yeah, they're a good football team. He's a great quarterback. I mean, I think that's all that goes without saying. All right, there it is. <laughs> Bill Belichick, obviously, kind of quiet in everything about what he had to say last night. But him and Brady did have a moment last night afterwards. They got to a chance to talk for about 20 minutes or so. And... uh Put everything to bed. So the question here is, this game is over. Now, will all this other talk be over again? Because we know they're not going to face each other again. Unless it was a Super Bowl. But we know that's not going to happen. <laughs> the Patriots aren't, aren't going to be there at 1-3. and three. That's where they're at right now. All right, so good stuff. And like I said, more about this game when we talk to Bob Sosi, the play-by-play uh, announcer for the 
for the New England Patriots a little bit later on. All right, uh, right now we got to talk a little Monday Night Football as we get ready for tonight's game between the Raiders and the Chargers, SoFi Stadium, and who else? Our girl is there running around SoFi Stadium. Who knows what she's doing now? Carrying cameras, microphones. Maybe she's got a hot tamale. I don't know what she's got. Heidi Fang from probably some uh, taco cart near you in uh, in Inglewood. What's up, Heidi? Hey, man, I'm doing good. I'm actually out at a tailgate right now. Raider Nation is all around me. I got the OG Lucille here. She brought me rum cake. We got that. Right now, TC, what's good with you? Uh, that, that sounds real good with me. But, you know, you're living the life. For, I'm still looking for a lote, though. I gotta find a lote. A lote cart. That's right, a lote. And look, <laughs> the, she brought the accent strong there. Lote cart. There it is. Get your tacos. Get your uh, get your corn. Uh, you know, whatever it is. Your corn in the cob. Your tamales. Whatever it is. Look at you, Heidi Fang. You are in the middle of it. Now, now, is that all Raider Nation there? There's some Charger fans sprinkled in there at that tailgate party. Oh, there's sprinkles. There's blue sprinkles. Yeah. There are definitely blue sprinkles. I can see them. Uh, there's some bolts of lightning. But for the most part, I'm telling you, it's a blackout over here, TC. You're walking wow. around, it's like 80-20 Raiders. Isn't it? Now, that's what we are talking about, Heidi. What do you think? I mean, honestly, what do you think it's going to be inside the stadium tonight? I mean, the Chargers, I understand they're still not L.A.'s team, but this is a good football team. They're playing better. I mean, how many? what is going to be the percentage of silver and black versus blue and gold? Um, I think if I heard that right, I am in a tailgate right now. We're about to film some video, but okay. if I heard that right, then I think this is going to be a real tough challenge for the Raiders. And, uh, you know, I think it's going to be a back-and-forth game. Justin Herbert, you know, he's no joke. He comes to play. He's playing lights-out <laughs> football right now. They're going to be missing uh, Kenneth Murray, though, in that linebacker core for sure. So I think that that's going to be something to keep an eye on is how the Raiders' rushing attack can really get after it here. All right. Uh, have you made your way around SoFi Stadium uh, yet, Heidi? I am just in the I-Lot PC. I just walked around here yeah. checking it out, seeing what all the, the good carne asada smells are mm-hmm. around, uh, you know, the tailgates. We've got a lot of stuff here on the grill. There's some chicken. I love Lots it. Lots of fun. I love it. Yes. That, that sounds good. All right, let me ask you this uh, real quick here. So this is a big game for both teams, and I want to know how the feeling is on the Raiders' side leading up to this game this week because this is – I'm taking it like, Heidi, this is a litmus test for the Raiders because there are still some non-believers from a national perspective here. Even though the Raiders were impressive with the two home wins – be overtime wins against the Ravens and against the Dolphins and, uh, you know, the, the road victory against the Steelers. But you could probably go back and maybe nitpick all of these wins a little bit. Now they're going on the road against a division opponent who is an up-or-coming team as well, too. Do Does John Gruden, does do these players feel like, hey, we got something to prove tonight on Monday Night Football? Oh, yeah. Definitely, so, especially being 3-0 and right now, first time since 2002 that they are. This team has got so much to prove, uh, albeit, like I said, this does feel like a home game for mm-hmm. the Raiders, but it's still going to be some lights-out football on that field, and I think that it's going to be, you know, the Raiders are going to have to show that they are going to come out, one, with a strong start to be able to get past the Chargers. They've been kind of 
starting off a little too slow, getting into these holes. That can't happen in this game. Otherwise, you're going to be playing behind Justin Herbert all night. you got to make sure that this defense is keeping the pressure on a guy like Justin Herbert. You let him get comfortable, that's not going to be a good night for anybody on the Raiders. You know, he's the guy that if you let him sit back in the pocket, he'll find deep bombs to Mike Williams for 70 yards. So uh, definitely time for the Raiders defense to play consistent. Time for the offense as well to kind of, you know, spread out the ball, see if they're made of against a Chargers run defense that hasn't been very strong. Heidi, talk a little bit real quick about the injury uh, situation for the Raiders there. We know they've got injuries on both sides of the ball. Josh Jacobs, uh, I guess very limited in practice this week. Is he a go tonight? Give us an update. Yeah, um, Josh Jacobs, it's going to be, you know, a hard one to go um, without him, but I think Peyton Barber's shown that he's, you know, willing to step step up here. Uh, you have Kenyon Drake still, who has a lot to prove, that hasn't really stepped up to the pedigree that people are used to seeing out of him. But I think a lot of it comes from him running in between the tackles. But maybe if you get him the ball on the outside or pass it to him some, that that can help bring a dynamic that he needs to get a spark going under him. So, yeah, I think this is going to be a great game where they do try to run and pound the defense there against the Chargers. But we'll see how, how it works out. If Derek Carr, I mean, Derek Carr has been throwing, like, what, 40 attempts per game? Right. Having a pretty solid completion rate. I mean, if he's got the hot hand right now and these receivers and all are in sync with him, why not just keep feeding him, you know, feeding these receivers and spreading the ball around? Why not? Heidi Fang live at SoFi Stadium in the parking lot. Now, Heidi, we're talking about the two newest stadiums in the NFL, all right? Allegiant Stadium and SoFi Stadium. A lot of comparisons have been made here. I want you to compare both for me right now from the tailgate perspective because a couple weeks ago you got a chance to experience a Raider tailgate at Allegiant Stadium. You're right thick in the middle of the SoFi tailgate party. Compare the two real quick. Oh, man. I tell you. There's a lot more ability to grill out here, mm-hmm. but Raider Nation came strong. I am looking at a tray full of tri-tip over here. There's some pictures. There's some pictures. There's, oh, I will send you all the pictures, man. But they got ceviche. There's nothing comparing to this right now. There's, there's food everywhere. There it is. All right, can we get a Raider chant? Can you send us out with a Raider chant from your throng there? Hold on. All right. Hey, guys, can I get a Raiders real quick for the radio? Give me one. There you have it. There you have it. There it is. Orchestrated perfectly by our conductor at large there, Heidi Fang. Digging the tri-tip, the, 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 the we got the grilling going, the the Mexican special, you name it, it's all there. Steak, seafood, none of it would surprise me there. Unbelievable. All right, man, good talking to you. Thanks for having me. You got it, girl. Thank you very much. We'll, we'll let you get back. There we go. Oh, look at this. Live. That's what we do here. We take you live. SoFi Stadium, inside the stadium, outside the stadium, tailgate party. Heidi Fang, Las Vegas Review Journal, on it, and our good friend. So, uh, yeah, looking forward to tonight, kicking it off at 5.15. Appreciate her. See, just she's in the middle of work there. That's what she's doing, Numbchuck. She's in the middle of work. But then again, you know, she's got to eat while you work, right? There you go. Forget the press box food. That's some fine dining there in the parking lot at SoFi Stadium. Tailgate. She said that SoFi's got it going on. Plenty of room. And I get it. A little modern. Five billion. For that stadium, two and a you know, a little over two billion for Allegiant Stadium. 
Hmm. Interesting. All right, looking forward to the game tonight. It's going to be a good one. The Chargers favored by three. We'll talk to Chuck Esposito next hour from a sportsbook perspective, see how much Raider money is rolling in. And the former quarterback for the Raiders, Jay Schrader, he is going to join us. We start breaking down Raiders-Chargers from an X and O perspective. But coming up next, we're going to go to New England. We're going to Foxborough, Massachusetts, and we're talking to the voice of the Patriots, Bob Sosi, as we talk about last night's game between the Bucks and the Patriots, Brady Belichick. Wait a second. Wait a second. Now, more from your favorite sports radio physician, Aha. the doctor, T.C. Martin. Getting ready for a little Monday night football tonight on the road. Raiders and the Chargers. Looking forward to it. The 3-0 Raiders. Are they for real? Well, Las Vegas think so. But tonight, we're going to get a good idea. We're going to talk to Jay Schrader about this next hour, the former quarterback. We'll get his thoughts. And analyzing the quarterbacks tonight, Derek Carr as well as Justin Herbert. So looking forward to that. Chuck Esposito will join us next hour uh, as well, too. All right, uh, moving right along here on this Monday uh, jam-packed Monday, as you know, Monday afternoon quarterback edition, talking football, and uh, also talking about what uh, we got a chance to see yesterday with the Las Vegas Aces and the WNBA semifinals as they ended up losing to the Phoenix Mercury um, yesterday in Phoenix. Uh, again, I was back there, a wild scene. The game actually had to be played in Tempe on the campus of the of Arizona State University. Yes, there was no James Harden signing, uh, sightings, though, yesterday. None whatsoever. But there was 7,000-plus there. And the reason why they were playing at ASU in Tempe, the home of the Sun Devils, was because the Mercury got kicked out of their home building because they had Disney on ice going all weekend yesterday. Uh, all weekend, throughout the weekend. And it just blew me away, and I, and I cannot get this, this sight and this sound out of my brain coming out of the hotel there that's located right across from the Footprint Center where the game was supposed to be and where the game will be. Game 4 will be there on Wednesday night. But there were just throngs of five and six and seven year old girls going Disney on ice, Disney on ice, and I, and I can't get this out of my brain. Yes, Disney on ice. They kicked the Phoenix Mercury out of their own building. Ah, oh, Jesus. Sam Gordon does a fantastic job of coming on with us, coming on the halftime show, and Sam, you didn't have to put up with it. You didn't have to put up with Disney on ice. You didn't have to put up with the, the fiasco at Arizona State University yesterday, my friend. So be glad for that. But how you doing, man? DC, talk about the fiasco at ASU. <laughs> it was a fiasco in more ways than one, including for the Las Vegas Aces. Uh, now we're in a 2-1 hall. What a scene. What a scene. I know, man. It was, it, was, it was not pretty. And, Sam, for the third game in a row, the Aces – fell behind early. And when I, now I'm not talking about falling behind towards the end of the first quarter here. I mean, as you know, game one, they were down 8 nothing. All right, Game two, they were down 10 nothing. And yesterday in Phoenix, or in Tempe actually, they were down 11 nothing. And it's, it's hard to erase those kind of leads, especially when you're going against Brittany Griner and Dana Tarazi. It certainly is. Yeah, it certainly is, CC. And you can't spot a team that kind of that kind of cushion. They already have so much offensive firepower. Like you said, BP, Brittany Griner, Tyler Diggins, Smith, who's done a tremendous job. BC, I thought, 
I thought, throughout the course of this series, just running for a team, getting everybody lined up, getting everybody in the right spots and making the right decisions with the ball. She's been brilliant, uh, even if the scoring numbers are what we normally expect from her. But, no, you're, you're right. I mean, it's just there's not – I don't know what it is. It was a problem during the regular season, too, I thought. You know, the, where a lot of times, T.C., you, you saw the games, they wait until that second unit, Kelsey Plumbier, to handy getting the game, and then they really take off and play with a little bit more pace and play with a little bit more energy. But yesterday, you know, another slow start, and when you have to dig out of that kind of hole and you're digging and digging and digging and chipping away, it felt to me like in the second half – once the game really started to get away from them, they were trying to get too many points back at one time, jacking up threes, really trying to make it all back at once. And that's the byproduct of such a slow start. It, it takes one, every possession in the postseason is so valuable. And, uh, and to have to dig out of a hole and chase like that, I mean, it's just we've seen the last two games uh, not conducive for success. In game one, the guards were tremendous. They're able to get out of that hole and control pretty much the entire second half of that game. But it's been a different story the last two games. And, now you're in a, a winner-go-home situation, not where they wanted to be. Yeah, and you look, you know, Kelsey Plum and Derek Hamby, Bill Lambeer brought them in within the two in two minutes off the clock in this game, and he figured, hey, I, I got to get some energy, and we've never seen these two players come off the bench that quickly, and that was a sign right then and there. It was like, hey, uh, I really can't, you know, you know, count on this this first unit with Liz Cambage, who came back and got the start yesterday. And, you know, she's had problems, you know, on the floor uh, against Brittany Griner. We've seen Asia Wilson really struggle against Brittany Griner as well, too. You know, Asia at one point was 2 for 14 from the floor, and uh, you know, yesterday. And this is not the Asia Wilson that Las Vegas Aces fans or fans of the WNBA are accustomed to seeing here. And, uh, you know, at this point in time right now, I mean, the Aces look out of sorts. And as crazy as that sounds for the number two seed, um, it's, you know, this, this series could be over, Sam, but... As we know, I mean, it just takes one game to get that mojo, you know, swung around, and the Aces are hoping that's the case coming up Wednesday night so they can force a fifth and deciding game here back at Mandalay Bay. Oh, yeah, 100%, 100%. And I think it starts with patience on the offensive end, you see. What I've seen in the last couple games, especially yesterday, I mean, there was, they scored the ball at an efficient clip uh, in game two at Michelob Ultra Arena. But yesterday, a lot of one-pass, you know, jack-up-a-shot kind of possessions, a lot of coming off screens, taking shots without really working the ball through the offense. And, you know, we understand this team wants to play fast, and they want to play with a lot of possessions. That's their MO when you have that kind of offensive firepower. That's understandable. But these are the playoffs, and every possession matters, and every possession counts. And I really think in order to, 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 to beat Phoenix on Wednesday, like you said, they got to get Asia Wilson involved, find a way to get her a couple easy buckets early and, and feature her because um, she, can, she can attack. She can get to the rim. She draws fouls at a higher rate than anybody in the league. And maybe you can pick up an extra foul on Brittany Griner or Brianna Turner, who have been so effective entering that pain on both ends. But I, I think the Aces are going to have to be a little bit more methodical, a little bit more calculated on the offensive end of the floor, move the ball, pass, cut, screen, do the things that they were doing towards the end of the regular season when they went on that run and secured the number two seed, and they'll have a chance to win. But, uh, but you're right. I mean, Phoenix is formidable, and they've had an excellent game plan on both ends of the floor. They've been physical uh, with the Aces' bigs, and, and Brittany Griner is as good of a rim protector as she's been in the history of the league. So, got to find a way to pull her out of the basket. Maybe you go small. Maybe play Asia Wilson or with, with four guards or four perimeter-oriented players. Run some pick-and-pop actions to pull BG away from the cup, create some driving lanes. But then you run the risk of having making Asia guard Brittany on the other end. So, it's a chess match. It's a chess match. And so far, Phoenix has done an excellent job moving the pieces and maneuvering the pieces to the point where they get a 2-1 lead. But like Bill Lindbergh said yesterday, it's a series. And the Aces have a couple days to regroup. 
and I expect a much better effort, a much more physical, harder-fought effort, because that's one thing that really jumped out to me, too, TC, is the urgency with which Phoenix has played, dominating the glass. That's an effort stat. Those are hustle stats. Dominating the glass in the last two games. So I think we're going to see everything. Uh, the best of the aces on Wednesday, and uh, I'm expecting a very competitive game. All right. Uh, looking forward to it. All right. Uh, Sam Gordon joins us from the Las Vegas Review Journal. Hanging out at the gym today, getting his workout in. I appreciate you taking some time and joining us from uh, the gym, Sam. And Sam does a great job, of course, covering not only the aces, but the Raiders and everything else. Speaking of the Raiders, Sam, let's talk about uh, the Raiders and Chargers tonight. We're looking forward to that. The 3-0 and Raiders against the 2-1 and Chargers. And uh, how do you see this game uh, unfolding tonight? Well, I think we're not going to be short on offense, PC. I'll tell you that. Now, these two quarterbacks, Derek Carr playing at as high of a level as anybody in the league, when you factor in the context, the young offensive line, the relative lack of a running game, he's willed this team to three victories over teams with double-digit victories last season. That's number one. Uh, but number two, you've got to look on the other end. Justin Herbert is as good as any young quarterback is in the NFL. He's mobile in the pocket. He's got a rocket arm. And he's got great comfort with his receivers, Keenan Allen and Mike Williams. So for that said, I think we're going to get a lot of offense, but these are two teams with defensive playmakers. I don't think the defenses are going to necessarily force stops or one punt after another per se, but I think this game could turn on a sack or a turnover because both teams, as we've seen, especially from the Raiders this year, have those kind of playmakers on that side of the ball to make some things happen. So two AFC West teams, two teams that know each other well, two rosters that are familiar with one another, two high-end top 10 caliber quarterbacks. It should be a great matchup. Uh, I think uh, the, the running game for the Raiders, I know it's something that they've wanted to get going, and maybe they will with Josh Jacobs, but their most efficient way, CC, even with Josh Jacobs, of moving the ball is with Derek Carr. I, I, I like how John Green's been handling him offensively and handling the offense as a whole, letting him make plays, letting his playmakers make plays, the three tight end sets, spreading the receivers out. You've seen improved play from Henry Ruggs and Brian Edwards around Darren Waller, so I'm expecting a high-scoring game, but a couple of defensive plays that could turn the outcome. Very competitive, very close between the two AFC West rivals. All right. It's the prime time of Monday night. Looking forward to it. Uh, Sam, you know, speaking of the Raiders' defense, it is improved. You got six new starters, and we've talked about that before with KJ Wright and, and Denzel Perryman. And again, but Gus Bradley is such a, a key factor in this. And again, Gus Bradley, you know, uh, going against uh, his, his old team there. For the most part, there as a defensive coordinator, where again he knows he knows his team very very well, and then when you look at you know the the Raiders defense against, and you mentioned you know Herbert and Keenan Allen, but what about Austin Eckler? I mean, here's a guy that has so much upside, but he's been he's been hurt quite a bit. But we saw some pretty good Austin Eckler last week against the Chiefs. Do you think he could be a factor coming up tonight? Certainly. I mean, he is. He's the Alvin Kamara of the AFC. Yep. His ability to, to run routes, his ability to handle the ball in the backfield, to get down the field, to run the choice routes. Really a safety valve, TC, that Justin Herbert didn't really have as a rookie because, of, like you said, the aforementioned injuries. But he was so good with Phillip Rivers, such a dynamic part of those great offenses. And I expect him to be a big focal point of what the Chargers want to do offensively. I also want to point out, TC, Chargers have done a much better job of protecting Justin Herbert this year. And one of those teams that I'm looking at tonight is can that improve Raider pass rush find a way to shake some things up. The young offensive tackle, Rashawn Slater, Big Ten country, Northwestern, the rookie, first-round pick, has done an excellent job in slowing the pass rush. Herbert was one of the most pressured quarterbacks in the NFL last year, top three. That's, that's, he's now 12th. Or the, the Chargers now have the 12th best pass-blocking offensive line 
this season. So he's had more time, and I think the results have shown he's completing passes at a higher clip. Having somebody like Austin Eckler available to him in that short passing game, I think it's a huge for sure. So it's going to be an excellent matchup. And curious to see what the Raiders do to try and slow down that offense. All right, man. You got a pick for us or what? You know what? I like the Raiders straight up. Wow. Win the game. I think it's a field goal game, um, like, the, like the line suggests. But I like the Raiders getting it done on the road. 30 to 27 at SoFi Stadium tonight. Look at remaining 4-0. And Sam Gordon's talking about uh, an underdog there and an over. Uh over. And an over. 30-27. Yep. Look at you, man. All right. Uh yep. good stuff. All right, uh, some thoughts about last night's Sunday night football game with uh, the Patriots and the Buccaneers. Uh it really came down to the battle of the kickers when it was all said and done in the final, you know, 2 minutes of this game, uh, Sam. And uh you know, for me, I talked a little bit about questionable play calling there down the stretch when you know the Patriots looked like they were moving the ball they had an opportunity with time and then you know with a third and basically two third and three uh not electing to run the ball I know they didn't have much success running the football period but I don't know what happened to that Patriots ground game last night because they had minus one uh, uh yard rushing the football and when you look at some of these stats it'll blow you away so you got Damian Harris he had four carries for minus four yards J.J. Taylor, one carry, no yards. Then you got, you know, Aguilar getting a carry for four yards. You got uh, Brandon Bolden, one carry, no yards. This team had eight rushing attempts for minus one rushing yard. So I guess, you know, in retrospect, you figure, okay, this is why they didn't elect to run the ball on, you know, that third down play or that fourth down play, but you know, in passing situations with that weather, with that rain, you know, and trying to set, you know, uh, Nick Folk up for, uh, you know, a 56-yard kick didn't seem like the way to go. And I know some people say, well, he almost made the kick. I mean, there's so many variables when you when you get into that weather. And, again, the ball was veering off to the left. It hit the upright. I mean, I don't know. I really blame a lot of play calling here down the stretch in that final drive. Well, you know what, DC? Let's let's just talk about the decision to kick the field goal for a second, right? Yep. Hypothetic. So you're asking again an aging kicker uh, with a bad wheel to go out there and make a 56-yard field goal in the pouring rain. It's torrential downpour, right? That's number one. That's what you're asking them to do. Best case scenario. Best case scenario, he makes the kick, and Brady has a minute and two timeouts. Right. At the stadium where he's done that a zillion times. That's the best case scenario. So I'm. It was it was a very very bizarre decision, a very bizarre sequence um, of events. That led to that field goal kick. I think if they trusted Mac Jones a little more uh, in that offense, that they would have asked him to throw there on fourth and three to get a, pick up a few yards, make sure Tom Brady doesn't touch the ball again. You're able to run out the clock in the very last, the very, the worst, you know, the very worst outcome for you is that you get a closer kick that you might miss just like you missed the 56 yarder. So that was a bizarre sequence of events. But in terms of the game itself, um, really thought Brady, it seemed like he was a little anxious early and who could blame him? Really never quite settled down, but I mean, this is Tom Brady. Maybe throws he had to make. I uh, even thought he put that one on Antonio Brown in the back corner of the end zone. That would have been for the go-ahead touchdown. A really courageous throw on third down when they could have elected to keep the drive going. Um, not not the, the best played football game, but a lot of drama nonetheless. I'm worried in the long term about Tampa Bay's defensive backs. I mean, they're just dropping like flies. And without a healthy secondary, uh, how far can they really go? That's a, you know, in today's, today's NFL especially. But for right now, they're 3-1. And New England has some things to figure out. Their offense, absolutely no punch, no firepower whatsoever. I, I, I understand that in the context of what they were asking Mac Jones to do, he played a great game. But at the end of the day, 
he scored 17 points in the home game, and that's how he's going to get it done. So New England's got a lot of offensive questions to figure out. I think Tampa's going to be just fine, especially considering their schedule coming up next few weeks. You got it. All right, uh, Sam Gordon uh, checking in with us and uh, talking not only Raiders-Chargers tonight, but, uh, again, the action yesterday in the NFL, the uh, Buccaneers and the Patriots uh, yesterday as well, too. So, all right, Sam, uh, you know, what what else is uh, cooking? Uh, We got this other thing happening this week, too, called a big fight. We got Fury Wilder. I definitely, you know, want to talk with uh, you about that here, you know, later in the week. But we can touch upon it uh, right now. Some early thoughts here as both fighters uh, arriving into Vegas here, you know, coming up tomorrow. We're going to have the press conference coming up here on, on Wednesday. And then it's fight night here in Vegas again. Finally, we're getting this fight that uh, has been delayed a couple different times. Fury, Wilder 3, Saturday night, T-Mobile Arena. It's, it's a compelling matchup, TT. It's a fascinating matchup. We've been waiting for this trilogy to conclude for a long time. We obviously remember on part two ended with, with Tyson Fury doing exactly what he told us he was going to do, coming forward, pressing the action, making Deontay Wilder fight off his back foot, and really an impressive victory. I expect that we're going to see a different approach from Deontay Wilder this time around. I don't think he's going to be... He's going to have changed much as a boxer or as a fighter, per se. But I think we're going to see a little bit more aggression from him. And and he can't let Fury get in that kind of rhythm the way he was able to early in the fight in order order to win this fight, in my opinion. We know that that knockout power can come at any time. But you've got to get through the rounds and and be able to throw shots and be be able to find openings. And and with the way Fury fought last time, there was just none of those opportunities for Wilder, hence the the technical knockout uh, that we witnessed at the MGM Grand Garden. So, I'm, I'm excited for the matchup. I, I, I give Fury the edge for, for obvious reasons. He's a much better boxer, and we saw him, his power on full display. But I think we're going to see a little bit more, a little bit different Deontay Wilder, and I don't think Fury's going to have quite as easy of a time around this time. So very, very compelling matchup. Uh, I, I thought at one point, you know, a year ago that we'd be tired of this trilogy or burnt out from it, but given that it's been a, a year and a half since we've seen these guys in the ring, um, it's. It, I'm excited. It definitely it has a big fight week feel to it, and uh, it's a heavyweight championship in Vegas. I mean, what, what more needs to be said? Saturday night. I can't wait. I, I think the biggest question for me, Sam, is what indication is there that there is going to be a different Deontay Wilder? And I know the one punch and you know that that can happen, especially with him and especially with heavyweights. We get that, but the way he was dismantled and the way to see that he was affected. You know, after that fight, and he hasn't been in the ring since that fight. I mean, he was demoralized. And do you think just it, over time, and maybe the postponement really could actually help Deontay Wilder? I don't think we truly know the answer to this until they both get in the ring and come up Saturday night. Yeah, I'm with you completely. And and I'm just going off of the simple fact that if he fights the same way and lets Fury just, just go forward at will and really press up on him and be physical with him and wear them out, he's not going to have a chance. His approach... Uh, the, the last time around was clearly ineffective, and, and we saw the adjustment that Fury made from fight one to fight two. Yes, he's going to always be a boxer. That's who he is. He's a boxer at heart. But he was more dead set on using his power, using his side as an advantage, and really wearing Deontay Wilder out throughout the course of those seven rounds. And if you ask me, you see, that fight could have been stopped earlier. You know, I think he got stopped in seven. He could have stopped it multiple times uh, in the middle round. So if, if, until we, you're right, until we get in the ring, until the fighters get in the ring, we're not going to have an understanding of how. Deontay Wilder's going to fight. So I'm, I'm operating under the basis that he has to know he can't do that again because I expect Fury to be just as sharp as he, has, as he was last time around. And it's all Wilder to make the adjustments this time because Fury made the adjustments from 
from fight one to fight two. Now it's our turn to see what Wilder has. All right, what a week of sports, especially here in Las Vegas. Like I said, we've got uh, Raiders Chargers tonight, even though be it on the road. Uh, NFL kicking into high gear. We've got the Aces in the WNBA semifinals. And then it's fight week here in Las Vegas as well, too, with all the pomp and circumstance that goes with that. Saturday night, it is the heavyweight championship of the world, the third time around for Tyson Fury and Deontay Wilder. Going to be a great week, Sam. We'll be covering it all. And uh, we'll talk with you during the course of the week, brother. All right, thanks, DC. Appreciate you having me. I appreciate you taking the time today, man. I appreciate it. There it is, Sam Gordon coming in. And there it is, coming out of the bullpen, so to speak. Uh, All right, Heidi Fang and Sam Gordon. There it is, strong. First hour, second hour, coming your way. We have got Jay Schrader, the former quarterback. Chuck Esposito will join us as well, too. Don't you dare go anywhere. It is a Monday afternoon quarterback edition of the T.C. Martin Show. And more preview for Monday Night Football, Raiders. Chargers tonight.